I think it's probably the most important call you'll ever make in your life. 911. I hope nobody ever has the cause to call 911, but if you do, that's the number you don't want to be put on hold for when you call. The Toronto Police um, Emergency Number Association says that the minimum standard of answering is 90% of all 911 calls um, is 15 seconds. Last year, the communication center met that standard for only 11 days. That is problematic. CBC Toronto previously reported there were 55 days in 2022 when the average wait on hold for 911 to answer was between one and two minutes. So 911, please hold. Three, four, five. Six. And meanwhile, there's probably chaos all around you. And it just goes on and on. That number nearly doubled to 100 days this year by the end of September. And since then, a report from the Toronto Auditor's General uh, Office found that call volume and staffing problems were at the heart of the call answering delays and the service needed to hire more operators. I don't know if that's happened yet, but maybe our next guest can get us uh, a read on what's going on. John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. John, this has got to be concerning when you hear about the response time. Absolutely, Kelly. First off, thank you very much for having me today. Well, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, The communication services, that group is, they're hardworking professionals that do their best every day to serve our city. Um, And I'll tell you, it's an incredibly difficult job. You know, the, we have a washout rate of probably 40% for people that come through that try to become some um, uh, personnel. And okay, so did have, you say 40% don't make it? Is that how I can translate that? That's correct, yes. Okay. Yes, because the standards are, are quite high, obviously, and it's a, a full year of training. Um, so obviously you're dealing with people's lives. Now, unfortunately, I think these call times and the delays, once again, it's, it's really a staffing issue. You know, the service is being... Um, kind of run down over the years for staffing levels. Yep. And it's very difficult to get people through the door trained in a timely manner. It seems like it would be a job that a lot of people would want. I know you said, you know, it's a, a you know, 40% of people that apply aren't going to make it. Um, you have to screen out people because it's an incredibly important job. You're the first people person that uh, people talk to when there's emergency going on and they need uh, you know, you to be calm and to, you know, be able to understand what they're talking about. Um, is this a dollar situation as well? Like, do we have a budgetary problem here? Well, it's definitely budgetary. Um, you know, I, I think we've been talking about this both for the uniform component, for communications. The reality is all these jobs are labor intensive. You need people to do these jobs. They can't be done by computers. They can't be done by anything else. And and to be a comms operator, it's incredibly stressful. When you have somebody on the other end of the telephone that's screaming for help, whether it be someone who's broken into your home somebody who's assaulting you, uh, you know, God forbid someone's being shot or something simple. Or your kid's choking to death. Yes, and and you're 100% right. And you need to make sure we have the people there to answer the phones. That's the first step. Okay, so why are, what's going on? Do we, we just don't have the money to, to, you know, campaign to get people to, you know, be hired? What's the, what's the big, it seems like a simple fix. We don't have enough operators, let's hire more. That is, that is a simple fix from the perspective of getting the, the phones answered, yes. Yeah. And we need to draw people into those positions. We need to make sure they paid a competitive wage to bring them to Toronto to do to that job. Okay, so how so, much, can, can I be vulgar right now? What does that job pay? Give me a range. 
Uh, I don't, I'm not sure right off the top of my head what the, what the number is, and I wouldn't want to guess at it. Uh, but I can tell you they are below uh, other people across Ontario doing um, the same job. To work in the biggest city in Canada. Busiest city and the most dynamic city. And unfortunately, where we end up with a lot of terrible instances going on here. No, so it's it's important, I think, once again, to look at the job they do and yeah. the value they have here in Toronto, you know, to everyone's safety. And unfortunately, 911 is one of those services where, you know, you don't need it until you need it. Yeah, and hopefully you, you don't need it. Yeah, and when you need it, you want it now. For sure. You don't want, you don't want to go on, on hold. And this is one of the things we keep talking about. The city of Toronto has to get behind the budget to make sure that we are properly staffed and resourced to do our job, to make sure that when someone calls 911 or a regular, regular line, that we have the call takers to take the call, process the call, put it through the system, then make sure now we have the police officers to respond. Because right now, we're taking upwards of 22 minutes to respond to 911 calls. That's ridiculous. We're speaking with John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. John, you know, you said that the, you know, the city has to divert more funds. Are you nervous at all when you hear that our mayor, Olivia Chow, basically is saying that she hopes that um, this this new um, I think it's a called a just looking for the actual name of it. It's called TCCS. It's like a. uh I honestly, I, I, I wish know. it's, it's two one, one. Let me just, it's the Toronto community crisis service. She's setting that up and she thinks this is, this will divert some of the nine one one calls because it's focusing on mental health. Look at, I couldn't even remember what the acronym st- stood for, let alone that I'm calling two one, one. Do you think that that's problematic that they're setting up another like line for uh triaging emergency? Is that confusing? Is that going to muddy the water? Wouldn't it be better just to throw more money at the 911 operators? Well, I'm not sure if the whole concept is throwing more money. It's got to be money that's um, allotted thoughtfully and progressively. You know, these alternate responses, there is a space for them, but they are not the be-all end-all, and they're not going to solve the problem. Right now, Toronto Police Service, we've had 0% budgets, uh, budgets over the last, or out of the last 10 years, five years have been 0% budgets. The current budget we're putting forward doesn't even keep up with inflation. You know, and, and I think people, unfortunately, they look at this billion-dollar budget thinking, oh, it's so much money. Right. It is. Absolutely it is. But we have not kept up with the growth here in Toronto. Our population has grown by 460,000 people, yet the number of police officers has dropped by 600 over the last 13 years. Now, that math to me shouldn't make, doesn't make sense to me, and it shouldn't make sense to everybody. You know, as our city grows, we need to make sure we have the resources and the infrastructure to grow as well. You know, I think, you know, Mayor, Chow, Mayor Chow's hope is that the new 211 is going to take some uh, some calls. Mm-hmm. It may very well take some calls. But right now, we can't even keep up with the calls we have. But even when you, you do take it, so this is the craziest thing about 211 is uh, the dispatchers on 911, um, if, if someone calls 911 and they want to pass it on to a 211, the dispatcher then has to ha- ask for permission to do that and stay on the line and exchange information with the person from 211. They can't just say, call 211 or I'm transferring you to 211. Do we need to simplify this? I think we can always look at processes and see what's simpler. But I think the most important piece is we want to make sure that somebody wouldn't get passed off from 911 to 211 inadvertently. Right. They actually need 911 and they need it now. Yeah. 
Um, how how problematic are the calls that are not emergency calls that are, you know, pocket dials or people that just don't understand 911 is important and they shouldn't um, tie up the line? So, so I think we see those every year from a lot of comm stations across Ontario where we get people calling uh, 911 because their pizza's late or, you know, 911 because um, of a barking dog. So these are all calls which should not be going to 911. And pocket dials are a huge issue, especially now with um, uh, cell phones. But I think that's, once again, an education piece. That's something which we put more time into. But coming back to the root problem here, it's making sure that our comms people and comms uh, units are staffed properly. How short-staffed are we? Do you know? Um, Offhand, uh, we're probably around 60 to 70, I think, short. What? People? Of a yeah. staff of how many? Uh, so comms usually runs about, getting close to about 300. Yeah, that's a lot of people that we're missing. Yes. That's a high percentage. And we have to wait a year for people to be trained fully to get on yeah. the uh, the switchboard for to answer 911. Plus 40% of the people that would like to do it are not, um, they're not going to qualify to do it. So what's our quickest fix on this beyond, you know, the city coming forward and saying, here's some thoughtful money. Please run with this. Hire more 911 operators. What is the quickest fix? Well, unfortunately, it took us many years to get to this point. And it's going to take many years to get out. There is no quick fix for it. I think we need to have sustained, consistent investment in policing, in the comms uh, units, to ensure that they can have the staff trained. Because the problem, should this shorten the staffing-wise, the members are working overtime all the time. Their um, workload is increased exponentially because of the lack of uh, lack of bodies. Listen, John, thank you very much for joining us. I wish you had better news for us as far as how fixable you know this problem is in a timely manner. But it doesn't look like we're going to get there anytime soon. But I appreciate your on- honesty and you uh, giving us uh, the, the lowdown on why nine one one has taken so long, um, you know, to get service. Kelly, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to you today. Appreciate it. John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. Listen, I was reading in this story at the CBC that this uh, couple, their their child was joking. They called 911 and they were put on hold and they just finally went, I can't even. My kid is turning blue. They hung up and they, you know, took matters into their own hands. I'm wondering if you have ever had to provide first aid to save someone's life in a situation that was emergent. And you want to know how many people are, are cha- trained in uh, CPR in Canada? I'll tell you. But I think we all better get up to speed on our life-saving ability because if 911 is not going to be fixed anytime soon and I might be on hold for two minutes, you really need to make sure that you have life-saving capability because 911 is not what it used to was. Do you know what I'm getting at? Mike in Rexdale, have you ever had to save anybody's life? Yes, but believe it or not, twice in 2023. I came, I came across a motorcycle accident up north. Uh, didn't even see the, the, the motorcyclist because he was uh, underwater in the ditch. Had to pull him out, uh, cut his helmet off, start doing CPR. Jeez. And while all that was going on, he had uh, put his rib through his lung, and he was drowning in blood. So he coughed blood all over me. Then I'd roll him on his side, get the blood out of his lung, back on his back, for more chest compressions. And I had mm. to do this for 14 minutes until they showed up. Wow. It was, it was crazy. Did you, One you, other thing I, I You I saved asked. his life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did, absolutely. did he seek you out? 
Though he, he they, they actually, they airlifted him from yeah. uh, up, up in Midland down there, and uh, he never regained consciousness, oh. and he died, uh, I think, five weeks ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah. the, you said you used to CPR twice. Yeah, and another one, I, I came across a guy, I watched it happen. He got uh, head-to-head with a pedestrian and a guy a scooter on the sidewalk. So when I got to him, he had stopped. He had no heartbeat either. And it was an older uh, gentleman, so I start doing uh, CPR on him. But this was in uh, Pickering, so mm. the, the ambulance and the firemen were there like in minutes. But the, what I carry, I have a, I carry a first aid kit in my car that I can do everything with. I mean, I even have uh, powder that I can pour onto a wound, and it just instantly congeals the blood. Every, you know what you, you got to do? You got to take care of yourself. Yeah. And your and your family. Well, you certainly do. And boy, oh boy, Mike, geez, I hope uh, if anything happens that many people are lucky enough to have you uh, come upon them because you certainly are prepared. Hey, Pete in Oshawa, you're an EMS uh, worker. Um, you know, I'm just hearing that the Red Cross shows nearly 40% of Canadians say they've been in an emergency situation where they've had to perform first aid. 18% are certified. We need to get those numbers up because if 911 is not coming in a hurry or not answering your call in a hurry, you might have to save someone's life. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, it's one thing that they answer the phone on time. It's another thing that you actually expect somebody to get to you on time because that doesn't happen very often. You know, if you are, have somebody who's choking or is suffering from cardiac arrest, you have at maximum probably eight minutes of a window to be able to do something for them to impact their outcome. Uh, By the time we get there, if CPR hasn't been started, um, it's probably a 2% chance that they will survive beyond the hospital. So being able to, to perform the Heimlich maneuver doing chest compressions with somebody choking or somebody who has cardiac arrest or even being able to access a public access defibrillator in any public place, mall, whatever else, it tells you exactly what to do. So it's not really difficult. It's just having a course so that it makes you a little more comfortable, extremely important. I teach uh, stuff as well. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, you can do a course for a hundred bucks and certified for two years and it feels great that you know what you're doing okay but you know should we be teaching this in schools should we have it in workplaces should we be doing this in you know hockey clubs we need to push for people to to become educated and and cpr uh, accredited the the region that i used to work for we had a uh, heart alive community program that went to schools and taught everybody they could cpr the problem is People are more interested in other things than having this as a basic course. I don't understand it. You're right. 18% is a very small number when it doesn't take much. Yeah. I think at this point in time, we all have to make sure we're taking care of each other. And hopefully somebody else is going to take care of you if you ever get into an emergency situation. Pete, thanks so much for calling. I always appreciate your calls when we talk about EMS. Uh, you're always tuned in and you always pick up the phone and it is much appreciated. Ken in London said he came upon a choking woman in the street. Hopefully, Ken knew the Heimlich and could uh, address it that way. It's just a lifesaver, and it is so simple to learn, but are we willing to learn? That's the question. could be the difference between life and death. 